Is it on? Mm-hmm. Okay. Why is that so funny? Is this on? Well, is mine on? Is is it time to go? <laughs> should, I, should I start talking? You said it, it. You said it so softly. Is this the point where on? I say something? On? Hey, <laughs> hey, everybody! <laughs> You're listening to the Homeboys Podcast, recorded in our Indiana office and with combined forty years of experience. Here's your hosts, Clint and Scott. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Homeboys Podcast. We're excited that you're here with us today. We got an exciting topic. We're going big. Mm-hmm. We're talking commercial real estate. It's a lot of, uh, a lot of interest in this always, you know, across uh, most of our clients. Yep. And people just want to know, how do you get into it? Right. How do you start? You know, how do you scale from single family to commercial? When is the right time? We really don't know. It's true. It's one of those things that you really just have to start researching early, but we're excited to talk to you about it today. Before we get started, hit that subscribe button down there. Join us for this podcast and all the other content that we provide. But my name is Clint Weatherill. As always, I'm here with my business partner, Dr. Adams. How goes it? I'm good. I'm a little under the weather today, so yeah. I'm not on my A game, so you're going to yeah. have to carry me a little bit. And, well, uh, you're you- not on your A game either because you've had a wild... Uh, Wild weekend. Your youngest graduated high school. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So I'm an empty nester. As crazy as that is. You're just getting started, and I'm I'm officially an empty nester. It's pretty funny because, you know, me and my wife, my kids, we came over to your house right. this weekend for, for, the, uh, for the open house, mm-hmm. which was lovely. You've got the ponds and the fish and the yeah. lake and all that. It was just a fabulous time. But, you know, I, I was sitting there thinking – you know, seeing your oldest daughter who's in college and then right. seeing your youngest daughter just graduate high school. And then my two and four-year-olds are running through the yard, terrorizing right. all of your other guests. Right, throwing rocks in the ponds. Right. Everyone's just shaking their head. <laughs> oh, it's those Weatherill girls. I'm like, You got two you know, good girls. I know. Don't kid yourself. They are very good kids. But and, we are on complete opposite ends of the spectrum here. But you're not feeling so good. I had... Ivy graduation, prom the next night, which is weird that they do it that mm-hmm. way. Uh, gradu- uh, graduation party all day. My grandma turned 94, so our family all gets together for that. And then my brother and niece and other family were in town. So yesterday was then just, you would call it a chill day, but it was like constant, you know, groups of people and everything. Busy weekend, my friend. And crazy. Great seeing your grandmother, too. She she's is awesome. not only 94, but she looks incredible at 94. I know. She's and amazing. She's amazing. I hope those genes pass down. Uh, there's no way you're making it to 94, no. my there's friend. There's zero <laughs> chance. Zero chance. I mean, I can say the same thing. Yeah. No way. Right. You know, we talked about some of our wild college days. We, yeah. we pretty much closed that uh, that possibility early on. Yeah. But uh, we used up uh, eight of our nine lives already. Correct. You know. we're, we're on fumes. <laughs> we're on fumes. <laughs> already on fumes. We're on fumes. That's awesome. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so you're not feeling that great, but this is a great topic, though. This is something you and I are both very excited about. Great topic. Um, something that we've dabbled in throughout our careers. We actually have a lot of relevance you know, quite a few relevant stories here recently because we have acquired some commercial property for the two of us, and we've also built commercial properties. But uh, let's go backwards. Yep. And, you know, we primarily specialize in single family, um, but we get lots of questions about commercial. Sure. When does a person 
take that leap? When do they start looking at commercial property? And, you know, really, maybe even go back further. What is a commercial property? Yeah, so a commercial property doesn't necessarily have to be um, like industrial use or retail or, or office space. It, it can simply be residential real estate that's grouped together, you know, on a very small scale. Like for me, um, you could almost consider duplexes um, your entry into this. We don't really consider that part of this family, but, you know, it's it could be the toe in the water type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, from there, I, I think the kind of the smallest commercial is a, a great example is our property that we have up at Ball State. So we have a six-unit complex that's uh, basically for graduate students that, that we're actually in the process of, of selling because we bought it, fixed it up, and we do what we do. We're developers. Um, and it's got uh, storage underneath it, too. 23 so, units of storage. Yeah, so that's a, that's a light entry. I'd call that a light entry into it. And so it doesn't have to be something totally new to folks. If someone has you know, say five rentals or, or 10 rentals and they've maxed out their Fannie Mae, you know, allowable 10 loans and they want to do the next thing. Something like that would be the easiest, you know, step into it. So it can be something as small as that. And it can be as large as a 144 uh, unit complex um, that, that you've been working so hard on Mm -hmm. us being a part of. Um, So it can be a, a whole mix of things, obviously. So the one that we're talking about in Muncie that you think would be a, a, a great entry right. you know, type for someone. And I, I totally agree. That is something that we acquired. So you obviously can acquire existing or some, you know, will, uh, will build it. Right. You know, which, which we have, you know, yep. even here recently. Right. Um, but let's talk about the, the, the acquisition piece of it um, a little bit. You know, where's the, the best way to, to, to find, you know, commercial properties that are out there? Yeah, it's difficult, obviously. You know, we're, we are in the business and we live and breathe it and we have a full-time, full-time acquisitions person. And, you know, this is going to sound maybe strange to folks out there, but we basically have unlimited money because of our borrowing power and our relationships with banks. So, you know, in a sense, it was built very slowly yeah, over time. So mm-hmm. it's not like, yeah, we just have unlimited money. Our pockets are huge. Over our twenty plus years each in the business, we've developed banking relationships and trust and proven ourselves as performers. So the banks, when we see a project, they'll get behind it. Mm-hmm. Is, is the bottom line. Um, so, so we have the ability to buy whatever we see that we like out there, and it's difficult for us to find stuff. So it is very difficult. You know, if you're plugged into groups like us across the nation, a lot of them tinker with it the way we do. You know, even though our main core business is single family residential, I think a good uh, place to start is to let any groups you're working with know that this is something that you're interested in. I think that's the best place to start. I think for me, I don't really have a life much outside of real estate. So a lot of my personal life is just knowing what is out there. So say, for example, you know, if I, if I'm at home, you know, watching Cinderella with my kids. Right. For the 700th time. For the 700th time. Easy 700th time. Um, Bippity boppity boo. Um, (laughs) But uh, I've got my, my, my computer in my lap combing through LoopNet. LoopNet's a great, uh, you know, tool out there. It's a place for commercial real estate listings that, there's free accounts. You can get a premium account if you want. I've never 
even done the premium account. We did for a short period. We did for a short period. Yeah, You're right. But, but you don't have to. I knew I was wrong, but I just yeah. use the free service right. you know, now. Um, but you know, I'll give you a great, for example, my dad was in the hospital a couple of years ago. And there was a point when we were in the hospital and he, when he was really, really stable, I was getting exceptionally bored. Yeah. And I was down in Evansville, Indiana, which is where I grew up. And we do a lot of business in Evansville anyway. I was looking through LoopNet, and I found a place in downtown Evansville, you know, on LoopNet. Right. And while I was really bored in the hospital, I went over, and I met an agent, you know, over, over at the property, walked me through it, and talked to you about it on the right. phone. And we offered on it, and they took it. So, yeah. you know, I guess the moral of the story is just always be looking. Right. You know, always be looking I for those great opportunities. Point. Great and, point. You know, it's very challenging right now in the climate that we're in because people are buying at just insane levels. Like, you know, people are buying at five caps here in Indianapolis on commercial property, which is right. How does anyone make any money at that? Yeah, not only five caps, but five caps that are the the rent is truly maxed out. Like they, they just went through, say, a cycle of increasing rents. And so there's no horizon of increases for another two or three years. And they're selling them at five caps. Very right. unusual time. Very unusual time. Which let me say, we are not buyers at five caps. Right. You know, we, <laughs> right. Uh, that is not something that, you know, that we look to. I mean, you know, the market's cyclical. And right. whenever people are buying at that level, it's, it's really challenging to find something. There's a lot of works. institutional money that's dri driving that. It needs a place to go. And so, you know, they... That's that's a little different. You don't see a lot of individuals buying stuff at those rates, um, at, least, at least not institutional money. money, dumb money, whatever right. you want to whatever yeah. you want to call other it. People's other people's money, people's money is exactly other people's what it is. money. It doesn't matter when it's other people. You make your fees no matter what. All right, so let's go back. So you always, you should always be looking. Uh, LoopNet's a great example. You can get on Zillow even, and you'll see mm -hmm. stuff on there. Talk to the groups that you're working with. If you start looking at this, you'll start to see what it is that's that's attractive to you and, and, you know, the different options that are out there. We do suggest starting small, fairly small. It's hard to do in commercial too small. But if you have residential experience already, it shouldn't be too much of a leap, especially if you go into the um, single or not single family, into the apartment uh, rental market, mm -hmm. so to speak. Um, you know, we've got... a. a I can think of other examples besides our Muncie property. We have a, uh, I think it's an eight unit here that we, we uh, helped sell for someone and we manage. And, um, you know, there's a lot of properties like that that are a great way to get your foot in the door. Um, we would suggest not going too giant at first, you know, see if you like it, make sure you've got management in place and can, can handle that. But commercial real estate can be extremely lucrative if it's done right. You know, we have a specific model where we basically redevelop a property because that's what we do, or we build it, stick build it right out of the ground. Mm -hmm. We buy dirt and build a 30,000 square foot, you know, apartment building. Um, or we build a 144 unit, you know, apartment complex. However, a lot of people don't have that ability. You know, they have full-time jobs. This is, this is a way for them to invest. So I think you start small, you start looking for, you know, properties like that. You have to be careful in different markets and where you go. I feel like almost more than even single family residential, you always say good properties in good areas. Mm -hmm. And I think that holds true more than ever with commercial. Big time. We, 
we have had several projects brought to us. You know, I remember um, some guys that we do some work with, you know, sent us down to a, a near west side apartment complex oh, yeah. years ago. And I think that was like a 250-ish unit apartment complex. I believe so. Yeah. You know, and they had, I, the people that we work with, they were the lenders, you know, on the property. Right. And, you know, they sent us down there to, to, to take a look at it. And it was really run down in an area that was not good and, in fact, trending down, in my right. opinion. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Um, you know, and it didn't take us very long to say this is not something that we would be interested in. Yeah. Um, a project of that size, that rundown, the tenants that were in there were obviously not taking care of the place. It just didn't feel safe, right. you know, being there. There's so you much know, that can go wrong if it goes wrong. You have so much writing on these that we air. We're already p- really picky with single-family residential. We are very picky. We're selective on where we buy and what we buy. We've learned the hard way that if you're not in the really good areas and it's a good house, then you can get in trouble. So we're very, very picky with that. We take this to an extreme with these single with uh, commercial properties. So we're buying. We look at commercial properties in areas where we would never look at single-family homes. Because it's too nice. The numbers don't work for single-family homes in those areas, yet we look at land there. We look at um, commercial properties in those areas. So if anything, you would I, I, we believe strongly that when you're getting into commercial properties, the higher the end, the better. Now, Correct. there's a dollar limit to what you can do. Mm-hmm. However, air up. Air, you know, air to the side of more expensive than less expensive. Correct. For and sure. If the only thing that... that like if you have to get in, you know, if you really want to get into commercial real estate and the only thing out there that you see are these properties that are really run down or properties that are in really bad areas, don't do it. I mean, it just don't be a buyer. Just sit on the sidelines. Something will come along. We've seen it a lot. Um, there's lots of building that has happened around Indianapolis with, with newer apartments and there's a reason why some of these have, have run down because the supply of, of really nice new apartment living has went up. So people, the lower income, you know, residents, they have to go somewhere. Right. You know, and trying to turn around a major apartment complex, and when I say major, say 50 plus units and trying to turn it around while, after it's already got a stigma you know, attached to it. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, we had another apartment complex that we looked at not too long ago that, you know, you Googled and there was like two or three people that have died. Right. You know, in there. In the I last, Googled it in, for in, us. Correct. In the last yeah. five years, the, the chances of turning that around are so very slim. And really, in my personal opinion, the only way is to get everybody out, have 24-hour security on the place, redo everything, and then start fresh. And, I mean, the the, the carrying cost with that is just so substantial. So Yeah, we helped someone in a similar situation. So about, uh, let's see, seven years ago, we helped on a 108-unit apartment complex in an area that was doable. The area itself was doable. But the, the property had been stymied multiple times by multiple owners. It had become a hot potato. And 
it was vacant pretty much, you know, and, and if you don't do all of those buildings at once and turn that property around, it's hard to get the momentum going on the new one because you're moving people into, you know, a quarter, um, you know, three quarter empty complex and then a half empty complex. And those first people aren't, you're not going to be able to get the best tenants because they don't want to move into a ghost town. And if you don't get the best tenants at the beginning, then you can't get the best tenants at the end. And then before you know it, you're right back where you started. Mm -hmm. So those big properties, you've got to be careful with. You've got to be so careful, even if they're in a good area, if they're a distressed property. I agree. So good properties, good areas. Right. Same rings true in single family. We say the same thing. You know, really be, you know, picky on the area that you get into. You know, there's a reason why it's a bad area. And there's a reason why other people have not got it to work for three decades. Right. You know, don't be so arrogant to think, you know, you think that you're going to be the person that's going to magically turn this around. So good properties in good areas. Second, I believe that you have to really look at the market that you're, you know, the, your, your target market that you're looking at, you know, it needs to be unique within the marketplace. You know, who are you going to be, you know, renting to, as I said, big supply out there right now, just down the street here in Fishers, Indiana, hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of apartments are being built right now. So you have to look at what you're, you know, what you're trying to, to, to go against. Now I'm not saying that because uh, hundreds of new apartments are being built, that that means that something existing doesn't work. You know, these apartments are extremely high dollar apartments. I don't think there's anything in there for under $1,500 a month, which is a lot for a one bedroom apartment in Fishers, Indiana. So if there was a 20 unit down the street that made sense and you're able to do the cap rate and it's an attractive cap rate and the, the rents aren't 1500, they're 800 and the, and the cap rate is good. That could be a solid investment because there's going to be a lot of people interested in a cheaper rent you know, that works. So you really have to look at what your competition is within that market. That's an exact conversation you and I have had with the city council of Fishers. Um, you know, there, there can be gaps in a market and you look for that. So if you can find a niche that, uh, that, that there's a, a, an empty spot in it that needs to be filled. Um, another example is our property in Evansville. We went after a millennial market in a downtown Evansville area where everything was brand new condos that were way too expensive for, um, you know, millennials, way too expensive. So let's dive into those two. Yeah. Uh, both of those that you just said, you know, looking at, looking at a niche. So we bought, um, a 26, 28 unit apartment complex with commercial underneath of it in downtown Evansville. Right. The previous, um, owner did a wonderful job on the commercial spaces, um, downstairs. There's a, a lawyer, there's a ministry, there's a print shop, yep. did a fabulous job. There wasn't really anything for us to do. Upstairs was a disaster. Um, he was literally going to homeless shelters and bringing people in, and we had, to, we had to turn this around. And mind you, this is in the heart of downtown Evansville where revitalization is just going rampant. So, so for an example, explain to folks how many shopping carts we pulled out of apartments. We pulled 43 shopping carts <laughs> out of 28 apartments. God. Um, which, so I mean, I didn't even really know that. I mean, I guess that's something that, that you see, you know, with, um, you know, homelessness and, know. you know, with um, that's how they lower, stuff lower income people, they go into CVS and they take the shopping cart home with them. It's, yeah. it's bananas. But, 
But anyhow, we had to turn it around. So once we got people out, we were left with really tiny apartments in this building, really tiny. So we went and did a market study, which basically that market study can be going to Google, going to Zillow, going to rental websites and looking what, you know, what you're going against. And it can be going to wall, the local Walmart and talking to people. There. Correct. I mean, it can be as Great old point. fashioned as you want. You know, you can buy core logic reports and all kinds of, you know, fancy analysis that, that, you know, banks like to do. Hell with that. Don't need that. I agree. Don't need it. I agree. You know, I mean, it's literally a common sense approach, I think is so much yeah. better. So we were looking at apartments that were going for a thousand to $1,500 downtown Evansville. And we, we thought, you know, do we knock down walls, make these apartments bigger, or do we make those apartments really nice and have us have be the lowest price point in the area? And what market would that attract? We decided that the millennial market would be someone that uh, would be very interested in it. You know, more right. millennials are looking for a place to flop than, you know, a place to live. Correct. Uh, we put fiber internet, you know, throughout. We got a little fortunate that a new medical school went up a couple couple blocks away, and we have a lot of med students in that building now. But yeah. we have a wait list for people that are trying, yeah. you know, to get in there. Um, I think it's always better to be ne- not necessarily the cheapest, you know, when, when it comes to apartments. But oh, for sure. it helps whenever you're buying an existing building to be closer to the bottom than it is the top. For sure. We wanted to get this building filled and, and make sure that we changed, like you talked about before, the stigma. It's not that this building had a terrible stigma, but we wanted to change the whole perception of the building. Mm-hmm. You know, this this downtown area, is it's really neat, and it's surrounded by beautiful buildings. And ours had been filled with, um, you know, literally homeless folks. And so we wanted to change the whole feeling of that building. And, and if we, you want to do that quickly, you know, you, you and you're willing to not be greedy about it, you can fill it with really good people a little faster if you're not real, right. real aggressive on rents. And, and then you can get aggressive down the road. You know, the last thing you want to do is be stymied in your, in your turnaround of the property. You know, so we believe in not being greedy right up front. Right. Um, you know, if, if you are turning a building around and you buy one, we really suggest this no matter where it is, not just this specific example, but we believe you should get it filled with as quality of people as you can and not push rents until after you've, you know, equalized. Correct. Correct. You know, you've got to get that building equalized, and then you can mm-hmm. get aggressive. So get it stable and build up. Yeah. So if you build that into your how, you know, your math and going in and what what your expectations are, uh, we think you'll have a very much mm-hmm. better long term outlook for for your project. So you got to take your emotions out of it. Be real with yourself. Yep. Do your homework. Um, you know, identify your target market. Yep. That was a project that we went forward on, ended up really, really, you know, being a, a, a big success for us. The second one that you mentioned, you know, we talked to a lot of city officials and fishers. It's a project that we have not moved on. Right. Um, but we could talk about kind of how we've identified it. It's a new build um, project that we were looking at. And the reason why we were looking at it is because of the hundreds of apartments that are going up where the cheapest apartment is $1,500, yet Fishers is growing with lots of jobs that those jobs not necessarily could afford 
$1,500 a month. And that, oh. that's crazy to me. I, I mean, you know, we graduated college 20 years ago, I know. But I couldn't imagine getting out of college and, you know, stepping, you know, a $1,500 a month minimum, you know, in, in, in <laughs> Fishers. It's crazy. No. You know, I mean, I couldn't have, I, I couldn't have afforded it. No, I think we were paying like $300 each and splitting Correct. a place. That's exactly what I was paying. I think it was 300 and that was a... And uh, still broke. Yeah. Yeah. Scary. But, um, but the, yeah, so, so you're talking about another niche. So this is a work, what they call a workforce niche. Mm-hmm. So there, you know, if you look at a market, a really high end market like Fishers and, and keep in mind for folks who don't know, you know, the area we're talking about, this is one of the highest, um, net worth areas in the Midwest. So it's, it's literally on lists as some of the top, you know, it's not unheard of. One of the most desirable places it to is. live. It's a wonderful, wonderful town. In fact, Clint was just talking about a you know a two point five million dollar place that that he went and looked at with his wife for fun and and we were jo- laughing because we know even though it's not in great condition condition we know it'll sell mm-hmm. you know like fast because right. it's in this area so this is a a very high end nice area but there's still workforce in this area that's that has a need that's not being met so you could look at any market no matter what it is in this case a high end market and see if there's a a, a missing match because if you just go into a market and you're small, which most of our clients are not giant institutions and you try to compete with these apartment complexes, you can, it won't, you will not succeed. They have too much money and they can do it at such a low return that it's not worth it. You know, yeah, and there's lots of politics and everything oh, else God, behind it that's too. That's a whole it's other a, story. It's a whole, that, it's yeah. a whole other episode, but, uh, but yeah. with the, with the project that we didn't move forward on, we were looking at building really small apartments, yep. uh, making them really nice and affordable. You know, say for example, just down the street from here, a Top Golf, you know, was uh, was built three years ago. Um, five hundred jobs. It created five hundred jobs. That's crazy. It's hard to believe that that's five hundred jobs. But you know, I read the report in the Indianapolis yeah. Business Journal. Five hundred jobs. We were looking to try to cater to people that would be employed at a place like that. Right. Um, so we met with, we met with a bunch of city councilmen, um, you Attorneys, know, get them you know, behind the project. They did economic development board. Correct. You know, um, then there's a lots behind the scenes with that, especially if you're in a bigger, if you're in a bigger city, you know, Fisher's obviously a suburb of Indianapolis. There's lots of behind the scenes planning. We ultimately did not go forward. Building prices shot up. We're not building anything right now. Um, it's just we believe that they are going to go down at some point. We don't know when. Don't have a crystal ball. But that is something you know I think is important to note that know when it is not time. Right. You know, we probably have twenty five grand wrapped up into the planning of this, but yet we've put the project on hold. Yep. That's a. There's a larger point here too. If I could, if I could touch on which is. No when to walk away, too. So Clint and I, um, early on when we had come together, you know, we had many years' experience separately um, and were friends through all of that. But when we officially came together, you know, over a decade ago, well over a decade ago, we looked at a uh, commercial project that had, that had stalled. So they had built phase one um, of this condominium complex, basically. And then 2008 happened, and it stalled. And so... We really, we, we put it under contract. I don't even remember. I think it was a couple million mm-hmm. dollar purchase. And so we put it under contract, $100,000 earnest money, um, non-refundable. 
And we went out and then started doing the research because we wanted to lock it up. And no matter how we cut the numbers, it did not work at that time. If everything went right, we made a little. Yeah. And it never goes as planned. And we ever. we walked away from $100,000, which, you know, we're, we're pretty successful in our industry, but we were just starting our business. You know, we, there's a, we had, a, that was a lot. That was a big hit for us when you're first starting a business to, to just walk away from, but know when it's time right. to walk away. It's okay. It's better to lose the hundred grand than hundreds of thousands on the project. And that's the biggest caveat. I mean, commercial is more risk. Anything that is more money, that is bigger, is more risk. There's more things that could go wrong. There's more moving parts. Um, there's a reason why single-family residential is the biggest part of our business. You know, it is a hedge against risk. There's, we've got a system down on single-family that takes most of the risk out of it. Yeah, there's point. risk with tenants and, you know, whatnot. But, you know, you're talking... Um, let's let's go to the new development that we that we did in southern Indiana that we built. You know, we had a roof issue. You know, um, and you know we're still I shouldn't laugh. You know, we're still working through that. Right. You know, they didn't put enough pitch in the roof, and you know we've right. had to pump some water off. You know, from time to time. There was a design change at the beginning. Someone didn't catch it. There was a steel issue. I guess even go back even further than the roof. We had a issue where we needed to add steel. That was a fifteen thousand dollar you know, increase. Yeah, we had a, a 90 pound Amish boy up there bouncing on it like a trampoline. Correct. Going, this isn't right. This isn't right. Literally he's on the steel beam up there going bing, And you can see you yeah. see it giving. You right. know? So, you know, that's uh that's just that's part of it. Like I said we had the, the roof issue. Um, you know, the the issues are bigger. You know, issues with single family is you may need an air conditioner. Right. You know, right. You know, you may need a furnace. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's not, hey, I, you know, stop the project at probably $30,000 a day in losses. I need another hundred grand for more steel. Right. You know, these projects, these prices are, can be astronomical, you know, so, so it is not for the faint of heart or for the newbies. Correct. You know, building or taking on a property that needs to be changed. And the reason we're focusing, I should point out, the reason we're so focused on like distressed turnarounds and building from new is because... You're not going to come. You, you, it's not smart to try to compete out there with the very well-performing properties again because big money is out there buying them at rates that make no sense for our type of clients to buy. It does not make sense. So, literally, that shrinks the market down to the things we're talking about. Right. You know. Right. So that's part of why we're focused on these, just to explain that. And we're going to have an additional podcast where we talk about the steps in doing a new commercial development, because yep. I think that's could be two episodes long. It'd be, it's going to be hard to get into that, you know, today. So let's talk, you know, let's wrap this up with what do we think the opportunities are in commercial real estate, you know, moving forward? I've got some pretty strong opinions. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think that uh, depending on what this market does, which we both feel that eventually it's going to at least cool down and that we think it will go negative, we think that there will be some opportunities out there for the smaller properties, for sure. You know, th those are going to be owned by folks who don't have the deepest pockets. Right. And when things aren't going right, they'll be looking to get out of them. There's a lot of people who bought properties because they got caught up in all this excitement that had no business owning them. 
And, you know, usually within about two years, those start to come back on the market. We see it all the time. So we think that those will be the opportunities coming up. Um, there's always opportunity to build once build prices come down. So I'm not even going to touch on that because right now, don't build. It's just not smart. So I think you can be opportunistic out there looking for now. But like you and I have, have an appetite for hundreds of these but we are lucky to get one every three years. Right. So if you, you've got to understand that, if you for, try to force more than what the market will bear, you'll, you'll get yourself in trouble. Right. I think, you know, we, we talk about the commercial real estate world still centering around housing. We don't have a great deal of experience in, you know, office rentals. We have some, right. you know, but that's not, that's not our core business. Um, one thing here in Indianapolis that we've said, if you can figure out uh, something unique to do with strip malls, yeah. you could be a billionaire because they are vacant everywhere in Indianapolis. And I don't, I don't want to touch them, but um, there's a huge market for that. I mean, I'm talking great areas. I mean, heck, even around here, there's, there's, you know. Uh, in Carmel, they built a brand new one. It was never filled and now it's for sale again. Correct. They're vacant everywhere. Right. You know, so people are, you know, working from home more. You're seeing, you know, places shut down. Right. Um, you know, I think that there's lots of rezoning opportunities if somebody could get into commercial developments and make them, you know, do, you know, get into rezoning them into multifamily. We're seeing large office buildings around here not selling. Right. Large office buildings. For the buildings. first time mm -hmm. in my history being in the business. You know, 25, 50, 60,000 square foot, right. you know, office buildings not selling. And I think they're going to continue to come down. Yeah. I think there's something there. You know, we've, we've seen it in the uh, hospitality, yeah. you know, industry where we're seeing lots of, of the smaller motels, yep. you know, not sell and come on the market. There's lots of opportunities out there, but, you know, kind of wrapping this up, always be looking, but keep your ego in check. Mm -hmm. Commercial is more risk. Don't jump into the, to the deep end on your first one. You know, you have to be really, really cautious. And also, don't think that you're going to be the one that's going to turn a failed development around. I mean, there's a reason why it's been a failed development for 10, 20, 30, 40, even 50 years. Very hard. So do your homework. Really, really dive into the numbers. It's a little bit more difficult today because cap rates are bananas. Building materials are crazy, so developing yep. is, is challenging. Be patient. So just you're going to have to be patient, but start keep looking. Talk to folks like us. If it's something that you guys are interested in our market, obviously reach out to us. We're always happy to talk about this and, and try to find opportunities for, for our clients to uh, succeed in this area. It's, uh, again, though, it requires patience. And um, and there's deals out there still. It just you gotta you got to be patient. you got to look and look and look until you find them. And you got to be willing to walk away from some that you thought were good deals once you dig in more. Sometimes the best thing to do is nothing at all. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that there's not opportunities out there. So keep plugging away. We're the homeboys. Again, hit subscribe down there underneath. And until next time, happy investing.